0: Who is this? Get out of my head.
1: You get out of my head. No, you get out!
0: What are you? Are you some kind of psychic? No,
1: I was just... I was just minding my own business at home and your voice just suddenly popped into my head. Oh,
0: no, 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 okay. You listen to me.
1: I am listening to you.
0: Whatever the hell this is, I don't like it.
1: (laughs) You don't like this? I don't like this.
0: Great, so stop talking to me. And you stop talking to me. Deal. Deal. Come on, we're going to go for a joyride. Just made a long-term heading south, but... Train tires. And welcome... To Strange Highways, uh, this is a, a little different different thing going on. Uh, my name is Paul, and somewhere in the distance, probably halfway across the world, using Mind Powers is... Terry, there. I am here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for you to like complete my sentences, and then we would get into a fight, and then we would not see each other. That's what I was hoping. I'm hoping that didn't happen. Um, so... Yeah. Uh, welcome to, uh, season two of uh, the CBS, uh, the new twilight zone. Um, you know, a little different. Uh, we brought back the, the intro that we were using for when we covered this the first time around, uh, the first season. Uh, so it's a little different, a little wobbly, just like my brain is right now coming into this. So, uh, yeah. Um, episodes in color. What do you think about that? Uh, it's fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
1: That's all I got. Yeah, it's fun. Right.
0: It's, this, it's just a little, like, we were before we started recording, it's just, it, this, is, this feels a little weird. And it's not a bad thing. It's just different. And, like, we were we marching through the 60s, and now we're in, you know, 2020 with this new season. And I know, um, like I said, I'd seen the first season of this new series, the Jordan Peele produced one. Terry, have you had a chance to catch any of the previous episodes from the first season or not?
1: I have not, unfortunately.
0: That's okay. Like, I think this is still, I think this kind of gives you a good idea where the, the new series is going. We'll be talking about season two, episode one, meet in the middle. And, um, this, this, this episode, and we'll get into it more in a second, uh, it's kind of like it, 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 it's not, I'm not saying this is what we're going to get for all the season because, you know, this, I'll have my thoughts and feelings about this episode and we'll go forward with it, but it's not, what people, I guess not everybody was expecting. Um, I don't know what people were expecting for the twilight zone. Cause I think when we talked about season four, of the original series, people's expectations of that don't necessarily match what was there. And I wonder about people's expectations now of the second season after we've kind of seen the first season a little bit. Um, so it, I think this definitely feels like the twilight zone. It just, it's, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a different flavor of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to have your own little spin on it. Uh, the, you know, you can tell the production of the show is uh, pretty high, so that's cool. I'm glad that they're spending money on it too. It's just not uh, being dialed in by uh, CBS. They're actually spending some real quality um, money and set set designs and that on it. Um, it's really cool. Uh, I'm just excited that we're getting more anthology television.
0: That's true. That's um, um, relevant. that that too and you're you're talking about the production value like yeah like for um, this could have easily been uh, something tossed off just to get people like onto the streaming service but as much as CBS All Access and I, I feel like I'm going to be shilling for them uh, yes, watch the twilight zone, all five seasons of the original are on there. And then they got these two seasons there together And the second seasons all dropped all at once. We're going to be covering them week by week by week, all 10, 10 episodes. So we're going to take our time. You can binge them if you want. I'd say almost to savor them and then join us for the experience. But, um, CBS is putting some money into their original programming, which I, you know, at first when they announced what they were doing, I, you know, you, you wonder while well, they still have their broadcast television, they have those budgets there, like how much money they're going to bring to the table for their streaming service. And um, I think you see the money on screen, like the cinematography, and you're talking about the production design, um, is it's, it's good. And in the first season, there was some real, um, like you could tell, like um, they spent the money, which is always a big concern.
1: Yeah, and I mean, they're, You know, like the shots are great too. There's some really good music, uh, in this episode, especially. Um, so I'm just, I'm super excited to see, um, how much effort is put into it. Um, and you know, I think, uh, Rod would be like really excited to see that, you know, it's being handled the way it is like that. It's like his baby is still being treated the way it should have been probably in the first place, honestly.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, so yeah, let's just uh, get right into it. This is going to be a little different, guys, than our, our typical cover to The Twilight Zone because, uh, you know, uh, day and date, um, it's today, now, whatever, look outside, that's what's going on, um, you know, maybe never speak of this again. Uh, this this episode was directed by Matthias uh, Herndl, I think that's how I say his last name. He did six episodes of the first season of The New Twilight Zone. Um, so he did the bulk of the first season. It was 10 episodes. They so did blue scorpion, which I, I adore that episode, Uh point of origin, six degrees of freedom, a traveler, which is another fun one replay, which is a gr- amazingly important episode and the comedian, which was the very first one of the season. So um, yeah, this is, this is a guy I think he's actually going to be directing a number of the episodes for this season too. So he might just be like our go-to guy. This might be our Douglas Hayes of, of, of the series, which Based upon this episode, I'm okay with that. Yeah,
1: his main work seems to be as a cinematographer. Um, I didn't really recognize anything that he had done. Uh, But, you know, it's cool that we had, you know, somebody who typically has that in their back pocket and Mm -hmm. then bringing that to their directing. You know, I think that he really, he honed in some good shots while, while he was directing this episode.
0: Yeah, there's some, there's some really good, um, nice uh, push-ins and, and, and all that, and we'll talk about them, I'm sure, when we get there. Uh, this is written by Emily Chang and Sarah Am- Amini. Um, they're a tandem. This is going to actually be the first of two episodes they've written for this season. Uh, it's funny, because Emily Chang is the barista in this episode that's getting checked out by our main character. And uh, Sarah, I think she plays the girl on the first date, in the episode. So I think it's just funny that the girls, the, the, the people that wrote the episode play small roles in the episode. So I thought that was kind of great. Uh, it looks like they were co-creators of a series called misery Loves company. Uh, that is like only seven episodes. I don't know if that means that it got canceled or it's in the process of making more, but they do have like, they do have some works together. And also, uh, Sarah, Uh, She was in seven episodes of future man, which is a Hulu uh, original series that I I absolutely adored. I thought that was a lot of fun. So um, we'll see what we think about these guys. We're going to see them again.
1: Yeah. uh, Other than those notes, uh, I didn't have anything else. Uh, I, again, uh, lots of current TV work. Otherwise, uh, And I didn't really recognize them from anything.
0: And I think, and that's going to be a concern we're going to have with this season of like, oh, there's some people that are up and coming or not yet established. We're going to run into that. I think it's almost like the other end of the spectrum of like, here's this British actor that's 300 years old that was in every stage play. We don't know who he is. Now it's going to be like, oh, this person had a a vlog. Cool. I don't know. know. Like, it's just going to be... A thing. I also want to mention Emily Chang, the barista in the episode was in one episode of a community, which that ties in here in a second. Um, we have um, and I don't know who else. I don't know if you have in your notes regards to uh, cast who you want to get into. I have some notes about some of the actors. This one's it's a little spotty. And also IMDB is a little weird right now because it, it just never seems to be 100 percent exact with like brand new stuff that's coming out on TV.
1: Right. And, and then of course like you, you got your cast order. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense when they still are doing that. Yeah. Even on this episode, I changed up a couple of people. I'm like, no, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, the cast in proper, I, uh, I guess, uh, you know, Jimmy, uh, Simpson, uh, he plays Phil. He's our main guy. Um, and this was his only twilight zone work so far. Um, he was in a, uh, a, a funny, uh, rom-com called loser as his first credit. Um, that's with the, uh, who was that guy? Uh oh, the dude from, uh, American pie.
0: Oh, um, um uh, Stifler, right?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, no, not Stifler. Or, or uh, so Jason Biggs. The guy who,
1: yes. Okay. Yep. So he's in that, um, he was in the movie, uh, Zodiac. Uh, and then one episode of black mirror just had to note that because, uh, you know, it's still current.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I have that in my notes here. He also, uh, played a major role in the first season of Westworld. Uh, the less, you know, the better in regarding to his character and what happens there. Uh, and also uh, he uh, was roommates with um, uh, with uh, Charlie. Um, oh, shoot. Charlie from It's Always Sunny. And uh, his last name's failing me right now. Charlie Day, that's his Day. name. Yeah. Uh, they were roommates together for a bit. So uh, he, Jimmy Simpson, shows up as a character named Liam McPoyle in a few different episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And the McPoyle clan are just weirdos. And so my first time seeing him was as this weirdo in a bar wearing uh, a bathrobe and drinking warm milk am threatening to stab Charlie in the back, like for whatever reason, like for paybacks or something. And then as the series goes on, you start meeting additional McPoyles to eventually, um, the, the head of the McPoyle clan is Gilma del Toro. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. It's, it's really funny. Like I, he's so Jimmy Simpson actually has, he has good comedy chops and I think you can see some of it here too, but he does have some good, uh, dramatic, uh, you know, chops as well. I like Jimmy Simpson.
1: Yeah. I've been, I, I, ironically you brought up, um, you brought up, uh, always sunny we were we had just started watching it before I uh, got on the air. with you, um, we had never watched it before and we watched two episodes and we're loving it so far.
0: Oh yeah. You're going to run into him pretty early and it's funny. Like the, the McPoyle is weaving it out of the series and each time it gets weirder and weirder. So I, this is funny that this is like, you know, like you're going to see him in this and then you're going to go back and watch him in that and be like, it, it's going to be, it's going to be like, that's the same guy. it's like, it is. So I like, I said I like Jimmy Simpson. Nice.
1: Um, and so next, uh, we have, uh, Kristen, uh, Lehman, Lyman. Yeah. I think it's
0: right. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, uh, she's, she plays a therapist, um, 36 episodes of poltergeist, the legacy, um, the This was like one of the newer uh, uh, renditions of it, but she was in an episode of The Outer Limits. Uh, and then one episode of The Twilight Zone from 2002.
0: Oh, I didn't pick so. up on that. The CW one or the WB, whatever. The Force Whitaker one, which we'll have to get to that eventually. Um, I know at one point, Katherine Heigl's in it playing a time traveler that may go back and kill Hitler. Yeah, whatever. It's weird. Um Kristen Lehman is also an alter carbon, the Netflix series. I've not had a chance to watch it yet. Cause I'm a terrible person at watching anything. That's not twilight zone evidently. Um, and you mentioned the showtime Honor limits. So yeah, that's what I got for her.
1: Yeah. And then um, next we have uh, Julian Jacobs. Um, she plays Annie uh, only twilight zone uh, episode so far. Uh, 34 episodes of some show called love. And then, which I'm sure you're going to bring up here, um, 111 episodes of Community.
0: Yeah, the, the, the love uh, show is a Netflix thing that I've not seen. Uh, she plays Britta um, and Community, and she's great in that. Um, like, I just did people, like everybody, like of all the members of, of like the different members of that cast always like blame her when something goes wrong. And it's just, it's just a running joke. But I, I, I know her. I've loved her work on that. Um, so are you ready for, are you ready for like a Kevin Bacon connection, uh, for me and Julian Jacobs? Are you ready for this to get your mind blown?
1: Okay. Let's go.
0: Yeah. This isn't that big of a deal, but she was in a film in 2013 called made in Cleveland. That was literally made in Cleveland. That's like a, a bunch of different vignettes. And, um, my one friend, uh, my friend Pat is in that cast as well. And he played his credit in that is guy in library. Uh, my friend Pat and I are in a short film called the losers have a junkyard. Uh, so by me being in that short with him and him being in that film with her, I'm three steps away from the twilight zone. Now, Congrat- congratulations to me. I'm, I'm breaking my hand right now, patting myself on the back.
1: That's awesome. Uh, now you just have to find the connection that goes back to critters, though. So,
0: <laughs> well, Lloyd Kaufman was in that short for the losers of a junkyard. So I'm sure there's a critters connection right there somewhere in the distance. Um, it probably won't be that hard to find. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: So um, next we have her husband, who is played by uh, Mike Dupa, du, Dupod. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was in three episodes of that Outer Limits that we were just mentioned a moment ago. Um, ten ep- episodes of uh, Smallville. He was in the the newer version of Godzilla. X-Men days of future past and the, the more recent predator movie.
0: Yeah. And I I just wanted to note his IMDB profile. I don't know if it was written by him or his agent. I'm just going to read the first bit describing him. And it's amazing. Mike Dupud is a man with presence as an actor. His screen presence has a far different kind of impact than the kind he used to deliver as a professional athlete. Both are hard hitting and memorable. He was a professional athlete too. Yeah, he was a football player and then um uh you know obviously like like all like people like you know football destroys people so he stopped. I, was he a football player or a hockey player? I can't remember. Uh, you know what? He played sports and then couldn't do sports again. So then he became an actor. Yeah, huh. Yeah. So Hold I think he was actually down. I think he was a hockey player. But I, anyway, or, or you know, maybe he's a NASCAR driver. I don't know. Throw. he was a sportsman and he was no longer a sportsman, but I like that he has a different type of presence. Uh, but that's that's all I have um, in regards to cast. I know there's some other stuff. I don't know if you have anybody else, but a lot of it just felt like um, a lot of like ancillary, like, yeah, you're in it, but these, like, these people we just went over are the main ones that actually do anything in the episode.
1: Yeah, that's, that's all I had, too. I figured, um, you know, th- they, these were our key uh, cast members. Uh, we saw them the entire time or heard them. And that was about it. That's
0: about it. Yeah. So, and we already mentioned Emily Chang and Sarah Minnie, like, cause again, they, they co-wrote the episode and they're in it too. So um, here, are we ready for the Jordan Peele intro? Um, this is exciting. Cause then we get to talk about a thing, like when we get there that I absolutely love about the Twilight Zone. So let, let Mr. Peele take it away and then we'll talk about a meet in the middle. A voice in your head can mean a few different things, a conscience, divine inspiration, or madness. But what if instead it were a case of crossed wires, one made through the tangled enigmatic switchboards of the twilight zone? We'll get to his entrance in this episode, which I think is great, but that was your first time experiencing him as the narrator. what did you think of him?
1: I thought it was good. I thought his delivery was awesome. It was, uh, it was really cool to see that, he, it was done this way too like the old the old uh way of serling like coming into scene and uh talking
0: yeah and just the suit like i know that there's certain like conventions and things that you don't necessarily need to hang on to as you make it your own i just think keeping him in the suit is just it's i love it i just it makes me so happy uh and then also how. Like it's Jordan Peele, which I mean, you know, we know he's capable of very dramatic things. Like we like, like I love I love to get out and, and I love us. Um, and obviously, the other Twilight Zone that I've seen um, the past couple of days. I've been like just kind of going back and watching some old Key and Peele skits and remembering how funny he is, too. Um, so whenever that was announced that he was doing this, I was excited. But it's like you're you're always worried. Is he going to do it tongue in cheek the entire time? And I don't get that vibe at all.
1: No, he, he's, he seems pretty serious, uh, so that's cool. I'm glad that, that it's basically the same thing, just transition to the now. Uh, and we have him as the narrator instead. It's cool. It, I think he's doing a great job so far, at least from what I've seen. I'm, I'm hoping that it doesn't get jokey, um, but we'll we'll see.
0: <laughs> there There is one bit in the first season, and I'm not going to get into it. If people have seen the episodes. They'll know which one I'm talking about. It does... Um, it, I don't want to say it breaks the fourth wall, but it definitely changes the, the, um, the focus of the episode. And it's, it's wonderful because it sets up this episode for being something different. Uh, but for the most part, uh, the other nine are just straight ahead. So, and even Serling would have some fun with things sometimes, just not nearly to the amount of fun that I would hope for, you know, like, uh, but the, yeah, anyway, we'll talk about his interest in, this, in entrance in a second. um, so, so Terry, where, where are we at here with meet me in the middle? Where where do we start off at?
1: Okay. So we see Phil and he's waiting in a restaurant, um, for, uh, I guess, a, a blind date that he was set up on or no, it was a date that he picked, uh, picked off of, um, like Tinder or something like that. And, um, and you can tell he's, he, he's kind of uncomfortable. And when his date finally gets there, the, the discomfort continues on to an even further level because he doesn't like her. Um, he, he's not interested in the conversation that she wants to hold. Uh, he, he, he looks at her strangely because, um, I guess her hair is different. It's curly when he sees her and it's just like all these weird things that he's doing. Like he's got a weird mannerism to him. And suddenly while he's zoned out, he hears a a woman's voice start talking to him. No one else can hear it. It's only in his mind. And um, so he, he, he becomes to kind of, you know, like talk to this voice and, you know, he realizes it's, no one else can hear it. And his date becomes irritated too, because she's not, she, he could, she could tell that he's not paying any attention to her. So he kind of has like a weird outburst and it goes to the bathroom and there's a, there's a funny clip there's where a good he's bit, talking. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he, he's talking to the girl that's in his mind and he's like, no, you get out of here or whatever. And there's like a dude that's walking into the bathroom. Right. When he says that <laughs> just like turns heel and walks
0: away. <laughs> yeah. It's funny where the guy's like, Oh, I did just leave. So it was, it was a funny bit in the moment of his panic of why is this voice in my head? And the voice is also distraught as well. Um, yeah, but you're, but we'll focus a little bit more. So Phil, as we we learn is that he um, believes that he's like he's forever lonely because he has like this this thing in his head of like not, and not a voice I mean that that's there as well of like if like because he points out like your hair was straight now it's curly and it's like he it's almost like he wouldn't have picked her if her hair was curly in the picture like he is that that guy that like this is who you have to be. You have to be like this room, like the therapist says later, like not, there's no such thing as like the perfect woman, like from a romantic comedy. Um, I know people like this, so this isn't a stretch to be like, Oh, they don't fall in this narrow definition of what I believe I need to have to be happy. So screw it. Um, it's, it's very frustrating to see that from the jump.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, I, like you said, I, I- People like this are uh, around us all the time where they're so picky about things. I mean, I know a few people that have been single for so long that they're even frightened of going on a first date. So I get that from the get go on, uh, you know, Phil's character and um, adding the fact that he's got a voice in his head now that no one else can hear. Yeah, yeah. it's like it just complicates the the issue that much more.
0: Yeah, so then as he's like uh, you know in the, the the men's restroom like uh pushing open the the doors of the stall yelling at that guy inadvertently he uh you know he's like okay fine let's just make a deal like you just stop talking and and, and she's like well I don't yeah basically it's like they're like they, they it's like almost like two people bumping into each other and be like just get out of my way don't, let's never talk about it again and it's like deal you know and that's the intro we played here at the beginning uh, and then he goes and looks in this uh circular bathroom mirror and just kind of like, you know, gets his shit together for a minute. And then as he walks away, then we see in the reflection is, um, Jordan Peele's narrator. And, uh, we've already talked about his introduction in terms of his narration. I absolutely love this entrance of him in this episode.
1: Yeah, it was really cool to see it. Um, I, you know, I honestly didn't even know how the narration was going to go in this. Uh, I thought I heard you say something about that. He actually works himself into the scene. Um, I didn't expect it like that. So it was really cool to see a uh, Phil walk out of frame and then we see Jordan. So that's
0: cool. Yeah. And uh, to my knowledge, he is in the beginning and end of each episode of I me. Mean, he was in the previous run and I would imagine, and he's at the end of this one too. I think it's important because as we know from uh, talking about the previous twilight zone, that um, especially from season four on rod wasn't available and his, well, he didn't have as much control, so he couldn't be on set for a lot of this. So I think you talked about it being handled like, like, probably better than it was in a lot of ways. Even though if Jordan Peele isn't the person writing the scripts, which there is one this season, I believe he wrote, uh, but being the producer and then being like the front face of it, I think it's very important to have him enter the episodes just to remind you that this is the Twilight Zone.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was part of the product back in the day, so it's it's good to see that uh, carry over. So yeah, and then I I love the the intro, um, you know, with all the um, the graphics and everything of that giant eye and that like that made me feel like it's my new Twilight Zone. It felt like it's still branded the right way, so it was cool to see that whole intro the way it is.
0: And I I think the the narration in that intro for like the actual like you know the opening credits. I think that's the same word for word from, um, from what we know from season four going forward. I think that's the exact same script. Um, And I think that's great. They just changed some of the visuals, but, but not by much though. They don't, they don't have a floating uh, weird doll. I mean, I'm sure there is one out there somewhere, but just the door opening and the eyeball. Yeah. It's yeah. That's a good update.
1: Yeah. It looks great. Um, So yeah. So we get back to Phil. Um, We see him at work the next day. He, uh, works at a grocery store or something like that and yeah. uh, he's just sitting there quietly and he thinks to himself I wonder you know if I can get a hold of this chick again so he reaches out to her in his mind and she does say hello or whatever so the next scene is him at his his uh, therapist's office and he is explaining everything that has transpired and uh, she kind of puts it off to being like it's him probably manifesting the problem because he can't have like a stable relationship and so he's now creating this problem to have something to fall back onto uh, the voice um he of course you know thinks it's bullshit because he's the one that's hearing the voices and that but how do you explain that to a therapist or anybody honestly for that matter and then all of a sudden we hear annie's voice again
0: well, um, yeah, I do like whatever the therapist asks him, like, well, how did the date go last night? He's like, 200 bucks for nothing. And she's trying to frame it to him, like, that's that, you know, maybe that's part of the problem is that you're viewing it as like a, you know, like a transaction as opposed to like an experience. And so this still lets you a little bit more into Phil's mindset about how he views all this. And he's like, he even says it, what, but he's like, and some, her hair was curly. Like, he says it kind of like defending his position, but not explaining it, which I thought was funny, but it's also like, you see that in his mind, it was already made up. It was never going to work out. And it was $200 wasted.
1: Yeah. I, and yeah, it, it seems that he's so emotionally disconnected from trying to build relationships. And, you know, he's probably had some like real traumatizing experiences in the past. It doesn't really build off of that, but you kind of sense it. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, so we hear the voice again um, and she starts talking to him. She says that she's bored. What are you doing? And he tells her, you know, I'm, at, I'm at my doctor right now. You're going to have to leave me alone. So through this whole um, sit down that the therapist is having with him, he's having a full bone cl- conversation with the voice. And the voice pretty much can compels him to to leave. And uh, he, he agrees that it was it was, there's no reason to be there. She's not going to understand him. And he he just gets up, doesn't say anything and walks out the door. So I thought that was kind of funny too, because there was no explanation and the doctors just left their like jaw dropped. Like, Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. So, it's not, it's not going to be the last time we get Phil just, uh, you know, up and leaving rooms just because like he feels compelled to do so. Um, uh, but yeah, it was funny.
1: Yeah. I, I thought that was a real fun scene. Um, and so, you know, we, we see Phil, he's walking around the streets. Uh, he's still talking to the voice. Um, But he seems to be warming up to the voice a little bit more. And likewise, the the voice that's talking to him is doing the same They kind of have some regular banter going back and forth and trying to find out a little bit more about each other. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so, and I'm, so, I'm sorry for cutting you off. I mean, again, we're just two voices in the distance and I have to think actively to make you hear me. Um, no, I'm joking. I, when the therapist says that not everything's a romantic comedy, what we end up getting here is kind of, it's 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 a piss take on that of, this is a meet cute. This is these two people that really can't get away from each other, um, but they're in each other's heads and so th- that's where the conversation starts kind of gravitating towards this. is This is a date that Phil really can't run away from and he can't immediately do a snap judgment on looks. So this is a little different than what we've seen of him so far.
1: Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, it, the fact that, uh, they can plague each other with conversation at any one time, you know, they're still going to have to hear each other, which is, I think kind of, uh, I don't know. It's a fun take on, um, what the, the, the conversation can unfold. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it happens too. Like, yeah. You know, would we would le- be distant otherwise.
0: That's true. We learn that they have to actively be thinking about them for their thoughts to go to the other person. Um, so I, I wrote in here, rule one is that they can't see what the other sees because there's a bit where he's spying a barista and, you know, and it's like, you know, he's looking at her butt and he's like, "Huh? Oh, can you see what I'm seeing? And, and she's like, no, why? And he's like, hey, uh, <clears throat> no reason, you know. Um, and so he's checking out the writer, the co-writer of the episode, you know, whatever. Uh, and then we find out that um, uh, rule two is that they can only hear what each other when they think at one another. So that sets up some some ground rules that aside from it modifying a little later with how Phil acts, I think give you a pretty good set of guardrails for their relationship going forward. And, um, Jimmy Simpson, we, we don't have to mention. So we talk about the voice in his head, uh, of the girl, um, this is pretty much a one, one man show for the first, like 90% of it. And it, you just, it's just watching his face reacting to his thoughts towards and her thoughts and credit to him. He wears it all on his face.
1: Yeah, it's it's good uh, I think that they get some really good shots of uh, his emotion and that and how he's just trying to carry the scene along just through uh, uh facial expression um, but, but yeah like we get some really dramatic shots of him throughout this entire episode and I dug it I really liked his uh his his uh acting ability to take on such a, I, I would feel this is a pretty difficult role.
0: Yeah. Cause not only do you have to have your face reacting to, I'm sure like they played the dialogue on set for him to hear himself. Right. But then there's also that additional notion of when you're recording that voiceover, I don't know if they had him and Julian Jacobs in the same room so they could still look at each other while they're recording. Cause there is a, there's a comfort and intimacy that immediately enters the conversation. And like there had to have been some planning to make sure that you get that warmth because there's a bit here where they, um, they're talking about pizza and he goes in to get a pizza and, um, and he says, I'm going to dine in. And it's like, it's basically a date where they're both eating pizza, talking about things. And that's when he starts pushing for like, you know, her, her name and where she's from. Um, You know, and then she also said something along the lines of like, hey, we're super heroes. We have superpowers. Let's go rob a bank or something, which I thought was funny. Um, But we get these, we get what would normally be dates. And it's just, it's just um, Phil on his own, you know, uh, eating a pizza, walking on the beach, um, being really loud and obnoxious, watching a game of pool on TV (laughs) by himself, but you know, the entire time we have Annie—we find out her name's Annie—talking to him, and it's 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 sweet. But it's also one of those things where you take a step back, where it's like, what if we, as the viewers, didn't know that he was having this in-depth conversation with the with another person while he's walking around, smiling and yelling at things?
1: Right. Yeah. It's a, it's like the classic bit of like a. Uh, Charlie the giant rabbit, and you can't see him, but you know, the main character sees him. Yeah. Um. So I mean, like, it, they do do those shots too. Um. You know, we got the close-up looks. Uh. You know, the close-ups of the tables, and it's almost like you said, like it's a date for him. But when the 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 frame comes out a little bit further, you can see people looking at him, like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. That's that's fair.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, he's not talking out loud, but he, and he's not watching anything. He's just having these weird, like, bits of laughter for no reason. So he kind of looked like he's nuts.
0: (laughs) There was a comedian one time. I I I forget the comedian. So I I can't attribute it correctly where he's like, you ever see like that old crazy person walking down the road being like, you don't know what you're talking about. This, the bullshit. And he's like, what if they're not crazy and they're having an argument with another old man, the next town over and be like, what? I'm crazy. You're crazy. You're full of shit. It's like, I like that idea that there's just two old men connected, like, you know, yelling at each other miles apart. And we think they're crazy. This is what this is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could tell. And, you know, it's like it, it it plays out well because you don't see it throughout the entire episode, but you get little glimpses of like the, you know, the people that are closest to him. They're just watching acting strange, acting weird. I mean, he's just like a strange dude anyways, mm-hmm. but you throw all of those other things on top of it. It really kind of is unnerving. Um, if you were like in a close proximity to this dude.
0: Yeah. And so the initial montage of him having all that fun with her and then watching movies and things is it's sweet. And again, he sells the hell out of it. And then there's the bit where he goes to buy ice cream and she's like, no, 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 two scoops. And so then he goes to grab a single spoon, but then he thinks twice about it and grabs a second spoon. And that starts to show you that like, um, not, not that this, this, this thing was not real to him it's becoming more of there's a physical space happening with this, this relationship that he's having with this person that he's not met.
1: Right. And I, it's, there's something a little bit more endearing about the, the, those actions too. It's that he, he knows he, she, she can't be there with him, but any way that he can share the moment with her, Uh, he's going to do it and taking the second spoon. Like that's a, that's a thing, you know, like that he can do at least to feel like she can be a part of the moment. So it's really cool. And I I think it's cute. Um, again, strange, but this whole (laughs)
0: episode. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a little weird. Um, but, and it like, and so this also reminds me a little bit of that, uh, film from a few years ago called her that walking Phoenix where he was like falling in love with an AI. Um, like basically like his smartphone, which here's me being a terrible person. I saw the first half of the movie and it was wonderful, but I was falling asleep and I just never got a chance to finish it. But it's a lot of the same idea of him falling in love with the construct as opposed to like a physical person. Like in this, in, at this point in the episode, that's where we're at with that. So it's not, this isn't something that has not been explored before. And and even if we get down to it, when we get to the end of this, this is basically, uh, yeah, that he met somebody on like Tinder to begin with, or whatever it is in the um, the Twilight Zone, which I'd be scared of, whatever that app is, because I'm sure there's always a twist. Um, th- it's always about the story, the the everything's sweet. It, there's always the honeymoon bit to begin with. Um, there's almost like that um, like uh, hyper reality until you're around somebody, like, and this could be, you know. Uh, Tinder, OKCupid, okay plenty of fish. what like farmers only. I don't know. Whatever the service you use, you know. Um, I don't know. Ghostmates. I don't know if that's even a real one. Whatever. Um, but he's. This isn't that different than having a bit of a long-distance relationship and convincing yourself um, that it might be more substantial.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, it. I'm like considering how strange Phil is. I was kind of waiting with bated breath to to know when something was going to get screwed up, though.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: But, you know, so but yeah, so everything's hunky dory. Um, they're finding out so much about each other. He knows her name now, knows where she's from. Um, and then but she gets to this one point uh, in one of the conversations with him that he he is asked not to look her up. Like he does, she doesn't want him to go that much far there with it and like find out who she is looking her up through like Facebook or whatever.
0: Yeah. And he keeps pushing and he knows that she's from diamond falls and he's from, um, was it Ashford or whatever? I mean, we know he's in Seattle cause we see the, the needle, but I don't know where diamond falls is. And I know that I think this is all just made up stuff, but so then the, the one night like the, and it's also important to mention that he even like confesses to her, like, uh, maybe it's a little bit later where he doesn't feel like he's done much of anything and how like, he doesn't really feel like he has a purpose. And she's like, you do. Like, I believe we do. And it's like, we all have a purpose. But uh, when he goes to be like, I want to, we should meet in person. She like, it's basically the thing. Like when I was watching with my wife for the first time, she's like, I got to go. And I just looked at my wife and I was like, boop, boop, boop. Like she hung up the phone mentally. Like I was expecting like that disconnect noise to happen. Cause the moment he mentions we should meet up, she just ghosts like boom. Um, and then he gets frustrated and starts to look her up and he, uh, you know, finds some information out that is, you know, as much as I think his reaction might be a bit over much. I think that, uh, I think, I think he was kind of right to have some questions about what he found out.
1: Right. Yeah. Especially through like all of this, uh, these conversations between the two of them they seem to be hitting it off in more of a more more romantic kind of uh, idea than it is like just being friends. Uh, I just, I think this, this bit of knowledge of her being married um, would be important to know if you're kind of like, I, he seems to be falling in love with her. I mean, that's gotta be crushing soul crushing for the guy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when he like, he's like, well, He's like, what do you like, you know, why didn't you tell me that you're married? And she's like, well, I told you it was complicated. And she's like, You've been looking me up. And it's just this whole thing. And then, um, you know, he there's like standoff niche, and then like they're still talking. And um that's whenever they, they it goes a little further where he can't sleep and reaches out to her, and um they end up uh, <laughs> you know, whatever doing things that, you know what it is. It's basically a, uh, uh, phone sex, but with brains, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it, it, but it's not, at least it's done tastefully where it's like the scene fades to black, as opposed to Jimmy Simpson having to talk dirty mentally. And for the next five minutes, which, you know, good on the twilight zone that I need to have, I didn't need to see that. Um, so, uh, but so that happens. Um, and then, uh, that's that, that night, whenever, um, that's that before that happens, they talk about him having a purpose and how um Annie's looking for an escape hatch to happiness. Things are complicated, but she wants to be with him. And then the next morning he wakes up like as happy as can be, and he's trying to talk to her. And um like she uh she doesn't really talk back to him until she's like, I can't, I can't do this, we can't do this, this is too much. And she shuts it down. And did you notice that like, it looks like Phil was like looking directly at the camera while talking to her, like almost as if she, like we as the viewer were her in the room watching his reaction. Yeah, that was kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> like I'm not Annie, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it also, cause then at that point um, we get the notion too, that he's able to actually speak out loud now, like that he's gotten more attuned to like, he'll talk, As he's talking, as long as he's thinking about her, she hears what he's saying mentally as well. So that gives uh, the actor that gives Jimmy Simpson more, more ability to actually kind of, you know, get into a scene a little bit, but she wants to shut it down. He freaks out um, and then, you know, starts getting, um, I don't know, entitled is not the right word, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a dark side of him that pokes out whenever she wants to shut it down and not talk to him.
1: Yeah. And it seems like the, the times that uh, he ends up speaking out loud uh, is the times that are the, there's more uh, emotion in him uh, that he just he needs to uh, project it that much more. Like he ends up calling her a bitch. Yeah. Uh, in the one scene it's like, wow, this is this is getting dark quickly because it seems that he almost is at a level where he he's due something he's owed something by her by her not uh, communicating with him he's taking it as like an offense almost now
0: yeah and you're right so then we get another montage it's a little shorter one but it's just him just you know just being sad and i should laugh it's just like because it stands in stark contrast to the previous one where it's just it's him now alone at the bar just drinking and like no one understands like cause he's not communicating with anybody else really. And, um, and then he goes on another date, like, um, you know, actually I should take that back before he goes on another date. Uh, he, um, he, you know, says like, why can't you just talk to me? Uh, he goes to, um, like find her, uh, find her address on, um, not Google, but search. If I saw so. it, that's what the, the webpage was called. And he thinks he hears her and he's trying, he says out loud talking to her and it's his rent is due. So you talked about like aspects of his life kind of poking out that you see he's not paying attention to his outside world. He keeps like staying inside internally, hoping that she'll show back up. Um, And then, and then he says, just, just tell me, tell me something. Let me know. This is real, that I'm not crazy, which um, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship before where or even like, and it's not even talking about dating, I'm talking like friendships or whatever, where, you know, you probably made a decision to like, you know what, I'm good for a minute. And because you're not giving the person what they think they need, they're just like, just tell me, like, just just tell me that you still like me. And then that's like a doorway back in. And I feel like that's the this, this shit he's trying to pull right now.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've had friends like that and everything. And it's it it's uncomfortable to be in that position. And yeah. I think that Annie is definitely at that that level now where it's like she's still married. It, it, complications or not, she's still married. And the, the level that it's getting to with Phil is a little much more than what she was, I guess, anticipating.
0: Yeah. So then he goes on another date. And like, did you notice it was the same restaurant, the same table, like everything, like in a the girl, same girl, was it the same girl? <laughs> like, was it her? Like, yeah. okay. So yeah, did Julia. she, did she have her hair straight at that time? I can't remember. Cause maybe she did it on purpose to like, kind of like, Oh, the hair thing. But he was like, he's like, Oh, so you have a, uh, you have two cats. She's like, no, I'm allergic to cats. He's like, I'm pretty sure you said you had cats, but it's like, he's trying to, like set up the same scenario because it happened once before. Right. So it has to happen again. Like he is completely checked out of this, uh, this date and it's, 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 it's funny. Like it's, it's legitimately funny, but it's also heartbreaking. And then, um, and then Amy's like voice shows up again and he has this absolute like joyous moment in the restaurant that no one else in the restaurant understands why this madman's running up and down the aisles, with this, his hands in the air being excited. And then also with his date to sit there being like, that's what I get. I guess I deserve going out with a weirdo a second time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a,
1: it's a pretty goofy scene because he's, he's like throwing his hands in the air as you know, like an, a joyous uh, uh, gesture. Um, because he, and he's saying to him, Like I want, I want you back. I've missed you so much and you're right. I want to meet. And he just like loses it. He's on cloud nine now. Like his, the roles are completely reversed. He is back on cloud nine.
0: Yeah. So they agree to meet in the middle. Um, so then there's another montage, which the song that plays during the montage, I like a great deal. And I had to figure out what it is because I like it, but he's getting a haircut, buying a nice shirt, you know, probably paying his rent. I don't know. Um, but so they decide they're going to go by train and meet in the middle. And so he gets on the train and, um, with the assumption that she's on a train going towards him and they're going to meet, you know, wherever this middle part is. Um, th- and they have this little playful bit of where he, she says, well, what are you going to do when we, when we meet? Uh, and he's like, I'm gonna give you the, the biggest kiss you've ever had in your life. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? She's, and she says to him, I'm going to call the cops about some random dude who's in my face. Very telling. <laughs> it's played as a joke, but I'll be honest. Second time through, I'm like, uh, credit to the writers here uh, that um, they, I, one of the things, and I know we're stepping on the ending a little bit. and By we, I mean me. Um, I always appreciate breadcrumbs that on the second time through are just like whatever it is, screaming in your face. That's screaming in my face the second time through. But credit to Jillian Jacobs that she is playing it off as a joke. Um, my God, like there, there is some, uh, there are some fangs in this episode that strike hard once you figure out what the game is.
1: Yeah, exactly. And honestly, uh, I'm glad that you noted that point of what she said about calling the cops because I didn't even catch it until you just said it now. And it just, it is such a telling thing. And I, I guess I was just too close to recognize what was being said then. It's okay. I, you Phil, know, it's, like, it's okay, Phil.
0: <laughs> dude, I dude, I'm a sucker for dialogue that's telling you everything that's going on the entire time. And it's 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 it it goes both ways where it lays into the scene perfectly, which it is, and then it's like it's telling you everything that's going on, which it is. I appreciate that kind of that kind of script writing, especially for something like the Twilight Zone. I, I will give additional credit for like bald face statements that no one picks up on the first time through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good good eye or good ear rather. Um totally didn't get that, but that's awesome. Um yeah, this this scene too is um kind of interesting in the fact that it it also aligns itself with uh what you were saying earlier about he's left a seat open for her cause they're on the train. He sits down at a, a table where there's two seats and some lady is coming by and asks if she could sit there and he says, no, somebody else is sitting there. Yeah. It's, it's Annie's seat. So it's, it's, it really lays into the rest of it.
0: Yeah. So then they're having these cute little discussions about whatever in music. And, um, but then it's like, she's talking about how like, Oh, there's a weird dude following me. And, and he gets, he gets alarmed and so the credit again to Jimmy Simpson and Jillian Jacobs for this, this, the sequence. Cause you, it's her doing a like, it's just her voice and him like mentally acting on screen, reacting to things. Um, and then his, also his voice performance of how she believes she's being stalked. And she gives him some key indicators of where, where they are. It's like, um, what was the name of the station? Like Kingsford or Kings cross, something like that. Kingsford's the charcoal. Yes, I- it's Kings cross, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> But she's like, there's a giant horse here and a holiday market, and so she's giving him markers, and he freaks out and he's like, I need to get to the station, and he tells like one of the guys that works on the train, he's like, I need to get there, and he's freaking out. And the guy's like, Well, it's four hours away. He's like, That's too. That's not. That's too long. He's like, Well, if you don't calm down, we're kicking off the next stop, and it's gonna be a lot longer until you get there. And it was like one of those moments of like, Yeah, I'm just gonna sit here and freak out in my little seat and try to stay quiet fair enough way to go con- train conductor guy like the you know like tell him like sit down or else you're gonna have to, you're, it's gonna be a much worse time for you i thought that was kind of funny
1: yeah he he didn't pull any like kids gloves out for that scene like he was just like uh you're gonna sit down or i'm gonna give you something to cry about kind of
0: thing <laughs> yeah so then uh he ends up getting off at the station uh runs through sees the big horse in the middle of the station he runs over sees the holiday market and runs out and I should also mention that when he found her um, her social media profile. Uh, she was wearing these very distinct looking glasses. Uh, as he runs to the market, uh, he he's asking people if they seen this this girl, and um, you know, and holds up like her picture, and people are just kind of dismissing her, mi- dismissing him. And then he looks down, and finds a pair of broken glasses. Um, I I'll, I want to talk more about that when we get to the very end of the episode. I, I'll, just I'll I'll put a I'll put a little check mark on that. Uh, but when he holds the glasses up, was there anything about that that seemed familiar to you?
1: Uh, no. What What was it that you
0: noticed? It, I couldn't verify it because since CBS All Access won't let me pause anything without the screen shrinking, I am. I will bet money that the the fracture pattern of glasses matches Burgess Merritt of this glasses at the end of time enough at last when he holds them up to the camera when they've fallen off his face and they break.
1: Hmm. No, I didn't make that association, but that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, there's two other uh, ties to the Twilight Zone. Uh, we'll get to in a second, but I think that was a call back to the original series. But uh, Phil freaks out and he was like, Annie, are you there? Uh, and he like, I, I am honestly surprised that the, the, um, to the writers that they didn't have him say, uh, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? I was really hoping, kind of hoping they did that, but I'm kind of glad they didn't, you know, that's just me. Um, and she's like yeah i think wherever i'm at it's nearby and like you um i can hear an owl and he's like i hear an owl i'm going to run into the woods like a goddamn maniac so he goes running in the woods and finds a house um and it must be the only house around uh and that's when he goes to the door and knocks on the door and the gentleman answers answers the door and he and, and so it feels like <laughs> is there something you want to tell me basically the guy's like you're at my house i don't know you like get away from my house which Credit to this guy. That's the right response when you have a weird sweaty dude on your front porch asking questions and not providing information.
1: Yeah, and there's there's nothing else around other than that market that you had to go through the woods to get to anyway. So there's no business that Phil would have in that area. My, my first instinct uh, being the guy would be like, what the hell are you even doing around my house, yeah. let alone on my porch beating on my door?
0: So then – um, Phil asks Annie mentally, he's like, uh, the guy who uh, abducted you, did he have facial hair? And she's like, yeah, he has a beard. And he has, um, oh, what was it? A plaid shirt on or whatever, a flannel shirt. And that was good. That was go time. And Phil just lays into this dude uh, who was a, a former professional sports guy. We don't know what sport. I've, I've forgotten this by now. Probably lacrosse. Um, and he it was, just,
1: uh, it's, it, it, I found it. it. It's he played hockey in the minor leagues <laughs> and go. he was a
0: part of the Canadian football team. Oh, so I was right football on both football. aspects. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so this lacrosse player, so he just starts beating the hell out of him. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it, it gets brutal and violent and bloody.
1: Yeah. He takes him out, man. Like there is, he's relentless on him. He's just beating him to death there's blood all over the place and he gets up and he looks at what he does and you think for a second that maybe all right there's this uh epiphany like wait a minute what did i just do no he picks up what was it a candle stick holder or something whatever like
0: that, yeah something a blunt object <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> a blunt object and finishes the job man like yeah. whoa <laughs> i did not expect the brutality of this scene.
0: Yeah. And I just want to point out too, did you see those a brief flash of the television screen showing some type of like, uh, like mind technology going up the temples of someone's head. Did you see that? Mm-mm. Um, no. it flashes real quickly. I think that's going to be a, uh, a call back to a future episode of the season. Just that I'm calling my shot now. I think they're like teasing something coming. I don't think it ties into the story. I just think they're kind of hinting that, like, because the, the the newer, the last season, and I'll mention this when we get to the end, they do this interweaving of, like, kind of referencing other episodes. Not like, a, like, it is a connected universe, but, like, it isn't a connected storyline, so I think they're hinting at something in a future episode. Just want to mention that. I want to see if I'm right or not when we get there. Uh, but, yeah, Phil beats the hell out of this guy, like, just uh, just turns him into hamburger meat. It is it is swift and, like, sudden.
1: Yeah. So, you know, he's kind of overlooking what he did and he's trying to get a hold of Annie again. But then he hears a little girl's voice from behind him saying, Daddy. (laughs) Now there's like a I, I don't know, maybe six, seven year old little girl right behind him who just is looking at the killer of her dead father. You know, it's like, whoa, this is like it got dark real quick in this scene.
0: Yeah. And that's when there is a very, um, like black humor music cue that kicks up right here. And it's one of the things I love about this episode is that you start hearing the song. It's too good to be true. Um, you know, I can't take my eyes off of you. And you start hearing that song start to kick up as he is looking at this girl. And then you hear, uh, the, the girl's mother calling to her And you realize that it is Annie or, or what Phil believes to be Annie coming down the steps. And she tells the girl like, you need to go to bed. And then she turns around and sees, uh, you know, bloody McGee and hamburger man in the living room there. And she freaks out like understandably. So
1: that sounds like a show tune. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um. bloody McGee and hamburger man. Yeah. That's a, that's actually, that was a failed uh, cop show yeah. idea that I had, uh, that I pitched the seventies buddy cop. <laughs> but yeah, he's like, he's like, uh, Annie, it's me. And she's like, what is going on? And he just has like, just blood all over his face. And he's so happy to see her. And, um, and she's like, I just do what is going on? Get out of my house. And then she pulls this really large knife on him. Uh, and suspiciously, the cops show up like seven seconds later, you know, and they're in the house and, and he, and Phil is confused as to what is going on. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, and the music and the music just kicks in so loud too. As soon as the the cops bust through the door, yeah, the music is like so loud now. And it's so hilarious, but super dark at the same time, like the juxtaposition of this music and the scene being played out. I was I was kind of mortified, but at the same point, I couldn't stop laughing because, like, here's this guy who has her husband's blood all over him, is, like, so excited to see she's alive, so excited to see her, and knowing that he p- basically saved her life. But now, yeah. here comes the cops, they're throwing him down on the ground and everything, and she's she's freaking
0: out. Well, I'm I'm a sucker for um, upbeat music cues on really depressing things going on. I don't know. Like I, I, it's failing me right now to bring up like, um, actually, you know what? Um, Christine, like all the different fifties doo wops and rock songs that I play on the radio when the car was killing people like that juxtaposition is always creepy to me. And that's what this felt yeah. like.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of had a, a, reminisced, uh, um, reservoir dogs.
0: Um, oh yeah. Steelers a- wheel. Yeah. stuck in the middle with you with, uh, some ear cutting, right. Is that the one that you're calling out? Yep. yep. Yeah. That's a good call. That's a really good call. Um, so yeah. Um, so then we get Phil arrested. He's in the car and credit to him that he's like, he has this moment of like, it was in my head. My doctor was right. I made all this up. I killed this man. I killed this girl's father. Um, and he's starting to freak out. Cause like he's having a rational reaction to his actions. Then we get, then we get the, um, the, 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 the sticky sweet twilight zone. The, this is, this is the good, good. I've been waiting for a while for some twilight zone. This is the, this is an ending that I wasn't sure they were going there, but we get it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, as he's going through this whole panic of realizing what he did, um, he hears Annie's voice come back to him and she says, basically she apologizes to him that he had to do this to save her. She she says to him, you were my escape hatch. Mm
0: -hmm. You had a purpose.
1: (laughs) Yeah. This was your purpose. Your purpose was to free me and my daughter and you did that for us. And now we're going to have a better life without the husband. You took care of the, you basically took care of the load that I couldn't take care of. You know, you took care of the dirty job. And yeah. it's like so cold and so calculated. You realize this girl has been the entire time. And like you, you alluded, we don't even know if her name is really Annie at this point. Like how much she lied to, uh, you know, to Phil and manipulated him. It just it's like a huge ton of bricks that's being dropped on his head right now.
0: Yeah. And, and, and there's he, no paper trail. Like there, she, right. she did a good job of making sure that there was no physical connection between the two of them.
1: Right. That there was, it was priceless. Like,
0: I mean, even,
1: even when he said, or she says to not look her up, that was also trying to build the distance still. Like don't lead anything back to me kind of thing. That's what I, I, I had had to have been that. But even when she knew that he looked her up and said, like, all right, well, I can still make this work. I think that was the panic, the dread. Like she was still game to do what she was going to do. I don't think she had a lapse of judgment whatsoever. No, it's just she realized that he looked her up that created a little bit more of a problem for her maybe. And well, then she's like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to still carry out my plan.
0: So the two things I'll say to that is one that she said she was from Diamond falls. And so he looked her up that way on like whatever social media and he found her with those glasses, right? The, 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 train station she gets off at is like minutes away from her actual home, which is the middle point between Ashford or whatever he's from at like, I don't know, Seattle and diamond falls. So she was already setting up that where her profile was is not where she was living. So keep that in mind. Then also the glasses, my only, my only frustration with this episode in the sense of like a plotting point is that he finds the glasses. There was no guarantee he would find them when he did. I feel like that was like um, that was some TV magic. Everything else, though, for the setup of mind powers and all that stuff, it's the Twilight Zone. I, I'll buy in for that, but the the fact that he specifically walked into a, a farmer's market, sorry, holiday market, that had all these different stalls and things going on, and he found a pair of broken glasses, that seems very unlikely to me. That's the only that's the only um, issue I have with the, the plotting of this episode.
1: I agree with you on that one too. It it just seemed too like out of the question Mm -hmm. uh, of like a possibility. Uh, unless, unless for some reason she was baiting him the entire time and like almost like one, one step ahead of him making sure that he got to the right place but it doesn't really seem that that's feasible either considering how manic he was,
0: but she did. She's like, Oh, there's the large horse. And I went through a holiday market. And then she has that moment of calm of like, maybe I should buy you a present. And then she's like, Oh no, the guy's back. Like putting him in the holiday market. Isn't the issue. It's just that he is asking people driving away. Have you seen this woman? And he looks down at that moment and finds the glasses. I know it's a really small detail and I shouldn't, focus on it so much because there's so much good in this episode but that's i feel like had that been a plot point 60 years ago i would have let it go because i feel like there wasn't as much sophistication sometimes but it's 2020 you could have found a way to 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 roll the glasses in to being found organically and i don't think this episode did that right
1: that's a, that's, that's, that's a
0: small quibble. It's a small, it's like, it's a scale. It's a, if it's a, a scale to one to 10 of being like, like, you know, one being minor to 10 being terrible, it's a three, but it still bugged me.
1: Yeah. It, it, it was kind of like, I don't know, unnecessary in some, in some regards, but I guess it, you know, to build the tension that much more and fill, um, I, I guess it, 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 works, but yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Other, otherwise, yeah, I, it didn't, it didn't really yeah. throw me off that much, but I, I really, I, I liked the whole sequence and how, again, how manic he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really cool.
0: Yeah, no, it's so, um, talking to you about this, uh, the, I, I will always, I feel like I, my, uh, my opinions of episodes always go up when I actually have a, a wonderful discussion about them. I liked this episode. I thought it was fun in a lot of ways. Um, I think, um, I think it was a light touch in terms of the Twilight Zone element of it, of like, oh, two people, their brains are stuck together and they're going to talk to one another. Um, that's fine. If you, like I was mentioning earlier, if it, if you would have taken that away and made him have a dating profile with somebody that was like setting up a fake profile that this whole thing happened the same way with like a cell phone call, you that isn't that different, you know? Um, so, and that's okay. I think taking and adding a sci-fi bent... To um, like to a dating story, I think that's fine. Uh, we saw um, with with a lesser degree of success in the season four uh, episode "Mute," um, where there's mind powers. There, there was a season three episode of the original Twilight Zone called "The um, uh, Penny for Your Thoughts," where um, was it Dick York gets mind reading powers for hilarious effect. So this is not something that is unusual to the Twilight Zone. I didn't mind the way that this was bent for this, and um, I, I appreciate that the script was written by uh, two females that have something to say about um, the way men treat expectation and reality in regards to relationships. So I think there's, I think there's good things to dig in here. I just think it was a light touch in regards to the Twilight Zone.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it didn't. I, it was like just Twilight Zony enough for me. Yeah. Um, I could see, you know, I can see where you're saying what you're saying though. Uh, it was kick-ass though. I liked this episode a lot. I, d- I liked um, it too, yeah. of-
0: and I'm glad yeah, that you did. Really cool. yeah. Sorry, I keep stepping on your liking of it. No, I'm glad you liked it. Like, I, like, not that I was like, you're like, you know what, Paul? We're not gonna watch the rest of the season. We're done. Like, let's get to monsters. Like. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I think this is a good, like, this is, this, when I said this feels like this is kind of what you get with the current, like, well, at least the previous season, where it's like, you you get where they're going with stuff, and they're trying to speak to something a little bigger, in the sense, like, this isn't just a straight ahead sci-fi story, um, there's actually some intent behind it, and I'm not saying that the earlier Twilight Zone didn't, didn't always try to do that, they're, like, this one always feels front-loaded, in terms of like, we're going to speak to something and I respect the hell out of it. I think that's the storytelling we need. And I dug this episode. I think Jimmy Simpson's the MVP, obviously carrying the whole thing on his back. I, I liked it. And, um, for being 44 minutes, um, the pacing was really good. It didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like we were just like, um, like spinning wheels the entire time.
1: Right. I, I think this was a calculated episode. I think, uh, the way that it was uh, played out and the way it was scripted, uh, we got exactly what we should have had out of this kind of a scenario. Like, you know, it built, it, it built a lot of tension. Um, it, we had character development um, and there, there really, there was no loose ends to me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I hope that, you know, our audience uh, it lights it just as much because I, I did see a little bit of cri- criticism on the mm-hmm. internet, about the pacing, but I don't necessarily think that you're going to have a hundred percent of the episodes make like the best, uh, run time for itself. Mm-hmm. But this one, I felt like it really did. I think, I think everything worked out the way it should have. I th- it was a great episode, honestly.
0: And I, again, I think because we talked about the source for recording that I think we got some, uh, I think we got some major sea legs going in from, uh, the, the long format season four, of the original series coming into this. So I think, I think we've seen um, what happens. when You try to stretch something to a longer time frame than was intended. I think this did a pretty good job of what it had. So um, a couple things I want to mention before we get to the twist. And if you have other notes, please, please speak up. One, I appreciated that at the end is said it was a memory of Carolyn Serling because we, she had just recently passed. I thought that was a nice touch. I mean, it would be silly for them not to reference her with this season, um, there are two other Twilight Zone connections in this episode. Uh, one, when he's in the supermarket working. Um, the supermarket that he's working at, the checkout lane he's at the beginning when he's trying to call out to Annie and isn't sure if she was there. That was the same checkout from um, an episode in the first season of the new series called Point of Origin, directed by the same guy. That seemed pretty obvious to me. But the, there's a box of cereal he dropped his clipboard on. Said call, It was called uh, Frosted Canimates. The canimates were the alien species in the serve man. So there's a box of cereal um, that had an alien on it that, you know, wants to eat people. Uh, The canimates thing shows up often in this new season, the new series.
1: Uh, and I, uh, the irony of it is that they're frosted cannabis, and so you're eating them instead of them <laughs> eating you. <laughs>
0: yeah, the cannabis thing shows up ever so often. Like there was a beer, and one of the episodes of the first uh, the, the first season of the new the new season, that's like this cannabis beer, and it's like they really like the cannabis. So I thought that was uh, like it didn't lean so. Like, the, there were some episodes in the first season where it's like we get it, it's the Twilight Zone, and you're referencing the Twilight Zone but I, I I will bet money those broken glasses was a callback to time enough at last. And I'm, it's not a it's not a bad callback because at least that part of it fit fit the story well enough that if you didn't know that episode. It wasn't smashing you in the face
1: right. Yeah. I, I, I think the the little details in this are just enough you don't want anything shoved down your throat and uh yeah like i didn't even notice the cereal thing until you said that either i'm like that's crazy man like they're they're that subtle that i'm not even noticing them
0: (laughs) yeah i just i just after seeing what they did the first season i have an eye out but that's that's fine so um yeah did you have any other notes about the episode forget the twist and talk about what's coming next
1: no i do i do not
0: all right let's just we're gonna rate that twist Fancy new twist noises. So, uh, the twist that, um, that this connection that Phil has with this woman, he never met would end badly. I'm going to give that a three, but knowing that this episode toyed with my expectations of him in the back of the squad car, like it could, you could have left the episode there and would have been like, Oh wow, this was all in his head the entire time. But then she speaks to him. I'll give that a four.
1: Yeah. I'm going to have to go with you on that one too. Uh, like i I was kind of going to feel a little lackluster uh of a you know as a view on it if it was just in his head and I really felt like that was just going to be the end of it. And when I heard Annie's voice come back and just give us the whole resolution, I was like, "Yes. Hell yeah." Like that just bumped it up a couple more points for me in the like column. So, yeah, it was solid um and I really liked the twist.
0: Awesome. So Yeah, so that's going to do it for our episode here, season, uh, you know, the the second season premiere of the new Jordan Peele Twilight Zone. I hope you guys had watched that. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at Strange Highways. Um, You guys can email us directly at Strange Highways Podcast at Gmail. Wherever you find your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Stitcher, Podbean, um, I don't know uh, the Exxon stations. I have nothing, um, drug, drug Mart. That's Ohio thing. Wherever you find your uh, podcast, please, please, please rate and review us. And if you are digging our conversation about the twilight zone and you're watching the new season, um, you know, recommend it to a friend if, if they are into it too, and they want to hear different thoughts and feelings, um, please, the more, the merrier, we'd appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Uh, we're still getting some feedback here and there. Um, it's great. Love to see it. Um, I'm glad that people are following along with us. Uh I just hope that uh, this doesn't deter you from doing the Jordan Peele uh, season. Follow along with us on that, too. I mean, we're going to get back to season five of the original series uh, soon enough but we really were excited to dive into this new season.
0: Absolutely. So, all right. So next episode we're covering is going to be the second episode of the season. It's called downtime. And here's what was written um, as per CBS all access after a recent promotion to hotel manager, Michelle played um, by Maria Baccarin. um, She's from Firefly. We'll talk more about her next week. Uh, She was also Deadpool's girlfriend, by the way, just throwing that out there. So Michelle Feels like she is on top of the world, but any cause for celebration is short-lived when the nature of her reality is called into question. Coleman Domingo and Tony Hale also guest star. Tony Hale, Buster Bluth, guest star. I'm excited for this. So we got Deadpool's girlfriend and Buster Bluth and uh, Coleman Domingo, which I'm sure will recognize them from something.
1: Yeah, uh, that seems vague enough that I'm interested to see what's
0: going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I like, yes, vague enough. That's that's all I want. I don't want them to be like, here's our episode. It's ghosts. I don't want that description. I want, you know, um, I would appreciate it if they somehow folded in additional advertisements for cigarettes. But, you know, get what you get. So, and there's fireworks going on behind me right now because I think we're celebrating that the episode's over. Yay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. So everybody have a safe 4th of July weekend. Uh, Enjoy the fireworks, I guess. Uh, And in the meantime, if you get, um, if you get mind talkers coming to you about like dating and things, um, I don't know. Um, meet for coffee first before you go murdering the significant other. That just seems, that seems like a logical thing to do.
1: Yeah. And don't blow your hands off this weekend, folks.
0: You have uh, two cats, huh? Nope. Sure, I remember you saying saying something about having two two cats. I, I definitely didn't. I'm allergic, so. I feel like you did.